Would it surprise any of you to hear that I have high cholesterol? Would it surprise any of you to imagine that the person sitting near you has high cholesterol, high blood pressure, diabetes, heart disease? Just checking. So I'm a volunteer with Beyond Categorical Thinking. I facilitate workshops for UU congregations that are in the search process, inviting them to think, if you'll pardon the old, uh, the old, see I'm 70, I lose words too. Would it surprise you to know <laughs> that when you get older you begin to lose words? <laughs> in any event. I do these workshops for churches that are in search so that they might think outside of the box to look at categories of people in a way that might invite them to be more open to call someone from a category into their ministry. So when I started, it was almost impossible to settle a gay man or a lesbian woman. And it was flat out impossible to settle a black man, or a minister with a visible disability. Ministers in wheelchairs were out of luck. No congregation was willing to put the money into making the physical changes in their sanctuary to make it possible for a minister in a wheelchair or walker to serve. Congregations in those days, more than 20 years ago, were also not willing to call a man of color, especially a black man, using the excuse that there were no people of color in the area and he would feel out of place. In this workshop, people complete a form that gauges their biases and this information is collated and then shared with each other, with no names attached, of course. You could not call a gay man into a congregation because the congregation was afraid he would molest young children and you couldn't call a lesbian because she might turn the church gay. <laughs> there you have it. When I started to do these BCTs, as they're called, the biggest issues were race, sexual orientation, and dis disabilities that were visible and that would call for the church to change its structure. You'll be glad to hear things have changed. And of course, that's a two-sided coin. Because although some of those churches are more willing to accept the people with the identities that I just mentioned, there are other identities that the churches are squeamish about. And I'll talk about only one today. A couple of years ago, I went to a congregation to do a BCT. I preached on Sunday and I led the workshop in the afternoon as, and, as, as, and as often happens with a visiting preacher, the congregation falls madly in love at first sight. And so as the workshop went on, there were murmurs about, isn't she wonderful and wish we could call her and you know, the usual stuff that is truly meaningless because they will forget your name next week. <laughs> so I'm there doing this, um, this BCT. 
the participants were great. There were about 40 of them, and they were wholly engaged. They were fawning over me. Although race and class and GBLTQI and physical disabilities continue to be held up as biases, the issue of the day was mental illness. Not just at this congregation, but in conversation with other facilitators, it was true in many congregations. What I heard that day was, we don't want to call a minister with a mental illness because we will have to take care of them. Or, a minister with depression will be unreliable and won't be able to do their duties and won't be able to show up every day. I was shocked. And so I gathered my wits about me and I asked them a question. I told them, do not raise your hands, do not raise a hand after I have asked you this question. And I reminded them a couple of times because instinctually when somebody says raise your hand if, you wanna do that, I said, don't do it. How many of you take antidepressants or anti-anxiety medication? And they kept their hands down, but I raised mine. I raised my own hand. I wanted them to see that it's possible to be an engaged citizen, an engaged participant in society, a minister no less, and struggle with depression that sometimes without medication would make me hopelessly unable to move. I saw a friend of mine this week. He's a physician at the Cleveland Clinic, a cardiologist no less, educated at Georgetown and Duke, trained at um, the Brigham and Women's Hospital, really smart guy, you would think. He's been struggling with these symptoms that are really debilitating, and he can't get a diagnosis. So the physicians that he's seeing, the best in the world at the Cleveland Clinic and at the Brigham, are telling him that, well, we can't diagnose you because we don't know what you have, and we can't treat you because we can't diagnose you. He's out on medical leave. He cannot practice medicine, certainly not cardiology. And as we were talking about this, he kept going back to the possibilities of what it might be and what it could be and what if it's this and I'm sure it's that, you know, the worst possible scenario. I said to him, Mike, you need a therapist. Now, I met Mike because I was his secretary, putting myself through seminary. And probably as a secretary, well, I would have, but many wouldn't have said that to him if they were working for him. But I said, Mike, you need a therapist. And he gave me the look. I said, you need someone to talk to, and not her. I pointed to Anne, his wife. I said, you need somebody to talk to. And his response, this well-educated medical doctor at the Cleveland Clinic said to me, I want to be cured and no therapist can cure me. It is a mistake when we separate our bodies from our minds, our bodies and minds from our spirit. 
We are not just body as Mike is seeing himself today. We are not just spirit or mind without a body, we know that. And sometimes something doesn't work. So my high, high cholesterol and my depression are tied in, not because they're related, but because we are whole beings and without seeing the wholeness of ourselves, the wholeness of our bodies and mind and soul, as broken as it might be, we will never be able to be fully authentic and fully present. And so when I say to people openly and willingly, oh yes, I have depression and high cholesterol, I take medication for both. Both are chronic illnesses. What is it about our society that is open to hear that I take medicine for high cholesterol but they're not willing to hear that I take medicine for depression because I might not be able to do my job. I might make you feel down because I'm struggling with depression today. I might scare you because what if those feelings of sadness and dread are symptoms of depression for you? Our society doesn't talk about mental health. I know there are many other mental health diagnoses that I cannot talk to you today about because I know nothing about them. I know the people behind them who struggle, who look for acceptance in their communities, in their homes, in their families, and in their churches. And those are some of the people we back away from, some of the people we say, oh, she's odd, or he's strange, or they're negative, or they're hyper. Our community needs to be more open, this community, the community outside these doors, about chronic diseases, plural, that include mental health disease. Here comes Gabby. So, um, I'm not really sure how to begin this, so let me just start by introducing myself. Hi to all of you. Uh, my name is Gabby. I'm a high schooler and at first glance just another teenager figuring themselves out if the hair wasn't an indicator enough. Um, <laughs> I promise I'm much more than just a shallow individual, as pretty early on in my youth, I've been through a lot of things. Some things that unfortunately no one my age should really have to be going through. Today I'm speaking for a short amount of time because I wanted to bring light to mental illness, how consuming it can be and how that is very valid, but how strengthening your experiences can be. The topic itself is serious, so I'll start off that way, I suppose. And I'll begin by doing something that's kind of like pretty terrifying for me, which is to share with all of you that I suffer from depression and I have been primarily for about three years now. I've struggled with the mental illness itself for what feels like an eternity and within its spiral I fell into problems with addiction, self-harm, and suicide attempt. So many people around the world suffer from these issues and it's something that unfortunately Western society has yet to fully accept and understand in a collective group of one. 
Over time, starting in just seventh grade, depression became the voice in my head, the shadow that constantly loomed over my shoulder and the hesitation that would bite my tongue and keep me from speaking my truth. And I'll be honest, to this very day, it can make me feel like I'm broken, like I can't do anything for myself or anyone else, that I'm living without a purpose. But as I'm about to get into, one of the strongest things you can do for yourself and for so many other people is to challenge these thoughts. Challenge this pain and do the opposite of what you're inclined to fall back to in the worst episodes. Now, I know that mental illness is no joke. Obviously, dealing with and contradicting your demons is no cakewalk, but a general possession of awareness of who we are is where we can all start. Usually, our perception of mental illness and ourselves becomes one. We no longer see a person, a human who deserves forgiveness, patience, and love. We see a person who's filled to the brim with sickness, a broken figure with our flaws, secrets, and insecurities seeping out between the cracks and shatters that our illness has left. But I want to share that this is not who you are. Too often we allow the status of our mental well-being to dictate our value and worth as human beings. And I will push what I'm about to say onto the world for as long as I have a voice. Your depression, your PTSD, your bipolar disorder, whatever it may be that does not define who you are. You've survived your worst days, and I'm sure in moments of utter bleakness, you found even a small sliver of who you are. And I want you to be so proud of this. I want you to own this, and I want you to own who you are and the fact that you haven't lost yourself. You're still here, and I am so proud of that. You don't have to be insecure or ashamed of what you've dealt with. Don't silence your stories and don't hide how brave you've been. For example, I often walk around with my self-harm scars not covered up, not because I am asking for attention, which is unfortunately something that our Western society thinks is the case, but it's more because it's part of my story. I want people to understand that what I struggle with is part of my life, and I want them to see that despite my self-harm or my mental illness, whatever it may be, that I am still human, that I can still function, and despite what I've been through, my depression is not me. I wish that as time goes on, so many of us that may struggle with mental illness, whether it's any one of you in here or anyone in the world, can see how strong and beautiful we are. I want people to be able to feel comfortable around this discussion with me or anyone, but just to be aware not to see them as a person with solely a mental illness and nothing else, if that makes sense. I'm open to anything being brought to me, and I hope I could lift each and every one of your spirits just a little bit today, if at all. Every one of you is strong, and I am strong. And please, if you ever need to talk to anybody, whether it's your friend, whether it's me, whether it's just a stranger in a store, so many people are here for you, and you matter so much. Each and every one of you matters so much, and I love all of you. And Gabby, you matter so much, too. We are blessed to have Gabby in our community and in our lives, and this is where we want to keep you. And you're here for us, but we're here for you, too. Okay? Okay. You too, Mom. <laughs> Gabby's words are so profound. What I hear her saying over and over again 
is that mental illness, illness is not something to be ashamed of, that support is available, and that we are more than what our mental illness is within us. We are more than that. And so if you struggle, I hope you will hold those things, I hope you will hold Gabby's words close to you. Remember them in your worst days and in your best days shine like we all can shine. We all have best days, we all have worst days. And when we talk about our health as we who are so self-centered in this society often do, it's okay to say, I have diabetes and I take insulin for that. Oh, and I have depression and I take whatever I take for that. It's okay. And as I said in my prayer, we all have the spirit of beloved community and love and the spirit of the holy that lives within us, that lives inside of us. And that means that we are valuable in our wholeness and in our brokenness. And if we are valuable in our wholeness and our brokenness, so is everyone else. And our duty and our job is to be the best we can be and be available for those who are struggling. And be not ashamed. Please be not ashamed of the struggle that's in your heart and your soul. And do not separate your mind and your spirit and your body. We are not dualistic or, what, what would you say, dualistic or triple eustic. <laughs> we are one whole and broken being made in the spirit of love. Made in the spirit of love. Hear Gabby's story, hear my story, hear the story of those you love. Come to us. Remember you are in beloved community. And remember that you take that outside these doors. May each of you be whole in your brokenness. Amen.